The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1995's Showgirls, directed by Paul Verhoeven, starring Elizabeth Berkley, Kyle MacLachlan, Gina Gershon, Glenn Plummer, Robert Davi, Alan Richens, and Gina Rivera. Showgirls is a nineteen ninety drama film. This movie currently holds a 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Nomi Malone, a mysterious young girl with the ambition to dance, embarks on a journey to Las Vegas to become a showgirl in a high-class hotel show. Nomi manages to secure an audition for a spot on the chorus line. However, she soon realizes that fame comes with a price as her friendships, her morals, and her soul are put to the test. As she works her way up the ladder and eventually becomes the star of the show, she begins to wonder if all of her work was for nothing as she can reclaim her life back before it is too late. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> was that was that the movie we saw? That wasn't the movie I saw. <laughs> She's going to reclaim her life before it's too late. What are they talking about recla- like lose her soul? It, it's revealed to us that she's a like wanted for attempted murder and oh. prostitution and like what? <laughs> okay. Showgirls. What's your history with this? I think like every other guy when it came out like in 1995, yeah, ni- 1995. When we were watching Mortal Kombat yeah, in we, the we were, Yeah, I was stuck jumping around in my seat watching Mortal Kombat. Showgirls came out. And then we walked out of Mortal Kombat and walked right into this we walked right into Showgirls. <laughs> Sorry, Ma. I gotta watch Showgirls. Martin, get in the van. I can't go, Ma. I gotta go watch Showgirls. Boys will be boys. Yeah, my mom just put her hands on her hips and goes, boys will be boys, and shook her head and let me go. You're like, eight-year-old kid going to NC-17 movie. Okay. I remember uh, when it came out on VHS, a lot of people like made a huge deal over it. And my, f- I, I had a friend um, in middle school or in grade school whose parents, I guess, bought it, and he had access to it. And every kid, <laughs> every kid in the neighborhood was checking out Showgirls. <laughs> he, he had access. To- <laughs> he had. He had access to Showgirls. It was great. <gasps> okay. <laughs> I've seen this movie a couple times in bits and pieces on HBO. And this is one of those movies that every single time I watch it on TV, I always catch it at the exact same place. Like, I'm sure you've seen this, yeah, th- yeah. this phenomenon before, but I've never actually seen how this movie started or how it ended. I always catch this chunk in the middle. <laughs> I always drop in on Top Gun in the volleyball scene. That's all you need, right? Y- yeah. That's just <laughs> To me, that's actually the whole movie is the volleyball scene that, that like wraps the movie up in a nutshell for me. So let's do what we always do at the top of the show and discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. Now, there aren't really that many people worth discussing in this movie, so let's just go to the bigwig, Elizabeth Berkley. What'd you think? Her acting was uh, piss poor. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was really bad. I, it, piss poor performance? Yeah. In a pornographic. <laughs> piss poor performance in a pornographic. Picture. Elizabeth Berkley, she tried to act by flailing her appendages around in like a haphazard way. Hmm. Have we seen this acting style before? Yeah, it was very, uh, it was very bad lieutenant. <laughs> she was. 
original. She was the original bad lieutenant. I wrote down that she has the acting prowess of like a mentally challenged epileptic. Her dancing in this movie <laughs> is that is it dancing? You you nailed it on the head. Flailing. She is flailing like she has Tourette's or epilepsy. Epilepsy. Or like yeah. she's having a grand mal seizure. She's flailing. <laughs> I, I feel like someone's about to run up to her and like put their hand in her mouth and choke on her tongue. It is unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. You you nailed it right there. And then it gets to the point where like she's acting like that. And I'm like, is this? Is she doing it on purpose? Is this a joke? Is this like a satire? It, do you think she was winking at us the whole time? And well, we like, missed it? I, it's oh so over the top. I'm I'm not sure. I had that problem from the beginning to the end of this movie. I didn't know if they were trying to be camping over the top or or if they were trying to be serious. I feel like they were trying to be serious. I don't know. You know what? This movie does it so... It really straddles so, that line. It, it's so poorly that it's like in this gray area. I'm not sure if it's a satire or if it's like purposely trying to be campy or if they're like actually like trying to be serious. I'm not sure. Yeah, Elizabeth Berkley, I wasn't too blown away. Yeah, Elizabeth Berkley, she didn't act very well in this. But then again, is it her fault? I mean, the script was pretty poor. I'm I use the term you... script rather loosely. Well, who played Crystal in this movie? Ah, uh, yes. Gina Gershon. She was good. She was great. So, yes, it's Elizabeth Berkley's fault. I might as well take this chance to say this now about Gina Gershon, but um, I thought she looked wildly attractive in this. Good choice for the role that she was playing. I thought she fit the character. Yeah, absolutely. She uh, she played the part of a very vindictive and uh, angry individual, but at the same time is almost trying to like bait and kind of like relate and project herself onto uh, Nomi's character. Her character was really camping over the top, but I feel like Gina Gershon like went with it. Like she knew what she was doing. Like it worked better with her character, I thought. Gina Gershon has been acting for a long time at, at that point. Yeah, speaking of stuff. which, whereas I, Elizabeth Berkeley, what she acted on, she acted on Saved by the Bell. You say that as your eyes roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, she, this is her first and I guess last uh, <laughs> motion, <laughs> motion picture. So, well, you know, I looked up Gina Gershon's filmography. She's consistently has had work after this movie. Oh, yeah. But it, it's been, been nothing really that major. All right, next up, Kyle McLaughlin. Now, this guy, as far as I'm concerned, this man can do no wrong in my eyes because he was in Twin Peaks and uh, he can do whatever the hell he wants and I'll be okay with him. I recently saw him in How I Met Your Mother. So he pretty much does the same thing every single time. He, like, he plays himself. I can't. And yeah, I, like, I like him a lot. I liked his character. I couldn't stop looking at his hair. His hair was amazing. So you said uh, Depeche Mode? Yeah, I said he looked like he just jumped right out of Depeche Mode. I said Flock of Seagulls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has this horrible, is it a comb over? Like, what would you even call that? No, because it's like covering one of his eyes. This was 1995. Which is, yeah, this haircut was straight out of like 10 years prior. Yeah. But he was rocking it and it was great. And that's pretty much it. Is there any of these other actors you feel needs to be singled out? I thought everybody was pretty equal across the board. Like, right. Nobody really stuck out. Okay, Martin, let me give you the brief history of Showgirls. Joe Esterhaz came up with the idea for this script while on vacation at his home in Maui, Hawaii. Based on the idea, he scribbled on a napkin. He was advanced to million dollars to write the script and picked up an additional 1.7 million when the studio produced it into a film. Produced on a then sizable budget of approximately 45 million dollars, significant controversy and hype surrounding the film's amounts of sex and nudity preceded its theatrical release. In the United States, the film was rated NC-17 for nudity and erotic sexuality throughout, some graphic language and sexual violence. Showgirls was the first and currently only NC-17 rated film to be given a wide release in mainstream stream theaters. Elizabeth Berkley was paid only $100,000 for playing the lead in the film, and she spends approximately 20 minutes, or one-sixth of the entire film, completely nude. When the film tanked on its opening week,
weekend, writer Joe Esterhaz took the unprecedented step of taking out an ad in Variety, urging female moviegoers to see the movie, not because it was semi-pornographic, but because it highlighted the exploitations that lap dancers are subjected to. Needless to say, this tactic did not help the film. At the time, it set an all-time Razzie Award record with 13 nominations and 7 wins. Paul Verhoeven turned up in person to accept Worst Director and Worst Picture. He was the first director to ever turn up to collect the award. Despite a poor theatrical and critical consensus, Showgirls enjoyed success on the home video market, generating more than $100 million from video rentals, and it has become one of MGM's top 20 all-time bestsellers. Alright, so Showgirls! What? <laughs> <laughs> Was it like fireworks going to shoot up? Yeah. Showgirls! <laughs> Okay, so this movie starts out with Elizabeth Berkley hitchhiking on a back road in the desert. She's uh, trying to hitchhike her way to Las Vegas, and she gets picked up by an old country boy. He has the greatest pompadour I've ever seen. <laughs> Would you agree to that? <laughs> yes, I I would absolutely agree to that. So he rolls down the window. <laughs> he rolls down the window and he uh, he picks her up. And I remember you asking who would do this? Who would actually like pick up a hitchhiker? Especially in like the '90s. I mean, it wasn't like the '70s. It wasn't like we were watching like Dazed and Confused, where it took place back in the '60s or '70s when people were like very yeah. trusting. You know, there wasn't like mass media letting you know that there was all these like serial killers and rapists and everything going on. Hey, isn't this the era of OJ? Yes, it is. So so this is even weird. He didn't pull up in a Bronco, though, right? <laughs> she then gets picked up by this hitchhiker and pulls out a switchblade and uh, forces him to drive her into Las Vegas. She goes into a casino. He gives her about $20 worth of quarters and asks her to start gambling. She, on like the first try, like kind of hits the jackpot. Yeah. And she gets this like really poor acting giddy like, oh my God. And starts like raining quarters. <laughs> yeah. No, she starts throwing them up in the air like they're like $100 bills, but yeah, they're just then quarters. She, then she loses them all. So, hey, is that foreshadowing for things to come? Is that the movie in a nutshell? Early success equals to heartbreak. Wow, Joel, you did it again. <laughs> wow, I'm the next Ebert. After that, she goes outside and she realizes that the guy has taken off with all of her possessions. He stole them. And she's- Why the, he would do this, I don't know. Uh, I, I would just tell As her. far as I'm concerned, he lost $20 in this deal. So she's so upset, she starts kicking a car and then- <laughs> <laughs> I can't even talk straight. <laughs> okay, so she gets so upset, she starts kicking a random car in the parking lot where the truck had left. It turns out that a woman who does the makeup for a uh, a showgirl... What are the odds? What luck? Yeah, what are the odds? Comes up, it, it turns out that it's her car, and she tries to stop Elizabeth Berkeley from beating stop the shit. Stop kicking my at, car! Yeah, yeah, st stop her from, you know, Street Fighter 2 turbo. <laughs> turbo. My car! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bonus level. Trying to stop that. And then Elizabeth Berkeley out of nowhere starts vomiting. Yep. Why? Why did that happen? I don't know. But what I loved about this scene the best is that she runs into traffic and she almost gets hit by a car and this new character saves her life at the last second. And then Elizabeth Berkeley, they get so close together and this like porno music swells. Like, <laughs> and they're like, and they're like, they're gonna kiss. They just met each they other. They just met each other three seconds ago. <laughs> like that made me laugh out loud. Then they end up in a diner and they're talking and she says oh, I well, love this <laughs> well you know if you don't have a place to stay I mean I guess you could stay with me she was just beating your car that would be like if there was a hobo peeing on the side of my <laughs> like peeing on the side of my car and I'm like hey buddy just stay at my house what are you doing man come on let's go to a diner so we find out that this extra character is, a, is she's a seamstress and she works at the the striptease show that Elizabeth Berkeley wants to see she invites Elizabeth Berkeley over to watch it and Elizabeth Berkeley watches this show and how would you describe this show it had like a 
like a lava volcano theme. And there's all these naked people flailing around. What is odd about this scene and about a lot of the scenes in the showgirl show is that I believe they're supposed to be erotic. That's what I think they're trying to achieve and they never do. I have never felt so uneroticized that I have when I was watching this. I felt like, uh, I felt very platonic <laughs> when I was watching this. I felt, I felt nothing. Like cube? Yeah, they were, yes, I was. A platonic solid? Yeah, I was, I was a platonic space. solid just floating <laughs> through the void. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't do anything. It failed for me. to arouse me. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't take much to arouse me. But frankly, I'm glad it didn't arouse me. I don't want to be aroused in a room sitting next to you. Ouch. Burn. Yeah, seriously. There was a girl there. Was she aroused? Did she confide in you later? Like, wow, I was really aroused. Martin, Martin, I was really aroused. <laughs> No, she actually, she went straight to bed and just like passed out and fell asleep. I was like, I was like, hey, baby, come on, wake, wake up. And she's like, don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> this movie killed her libido. <laughs> yeah, this movie. <laughs> she was like, I was really attracted to you before I saw this movie. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, the dance numbers were really bad. I bet you get desensitized to all the nudity, right? That's fair to say. It didn't do, like halfway through the movie, I forget they're naked. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well be wearing a dress. It yeah, doesn't, yeah, yeah. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> so Elizabeth Berkeley is watching the show, and she's got like stars in her eyes. <laughs> she's in love. She's just like, oh my god, this is beautiful. And her reaction could not be more polar to what I am feeling <laughs> as a viewer. I'm like, this is the worst show I've ever seen in my life. A question I have about this movie, and a question I have about like that share movie burlesque, right? And like similar things of this vein. It's they treat this whole showgirls experience as if it's this high art thing. Like this this amazing thing that one should strive for and to accomplish it would be a great achievement. I don't really understand that. I, I don't get it. I, I just don't get the allure of it. As I'm watching this strip show, I kept thinking to myself, who would pay money to see this? I mean, I know it exists. It, it really does exist in Vegas. No, and I'm well aware of that. But like, like what is the purpose of Logically, this? like someone goes to a strip club to get erotic dancing or whatever. Yeah. And then people go to a dancing show, like a higher uh, art form, like a Broadway or a ballet, to actually see people that have worked their whole lives to express themselves. This is some their, weird quasi-blend. And, and this, this doesn't accomplish either of those two goals for anybody. So I'm trying to figure out who the audience is for this. I may be just a, a simple country bumpkin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cuts in this movie emphasize Elizabeth Berkeley's mercurial insanity. Oh? Yeah, they really do. Like, she'll have like a really intense flip out flailing scene and then they'll cut it real quick and it she almost... seems very manic bipolar yeah right? yeah but she's just permanently stuck in the manic phase you know what she uh, it's like she's on speed the whole movie that's a good metaphor it, it's it's like she's constantly abusing drugs and all, she she does abuse cocaine in this movie towards the end but I mean like I couldn't tell I thought that she was on stimulants the entire time I felt like I was on cocaine <laughs> watching this movie okay so in this movie there is a man his name is James he essentially looks like a Rastafarian, and I'm trying to figure out if he is, like, someone who's trying to scam her, or 
if is, he's legitimately is, a dancer. Is he her conscience? Like, what what is his character's purpose? I don't understand what this guy. He brings up is. like all of her. Yeah, he's like a mirror, forcing her to look at things, and she can't bear to look. But then he goes and like has sex just like randomly with like other people in the show. So then it's like, is he a con man? I thought his character could have been completely removed from the script, and the movie would have gone on exactly the same, and it would have been shorter, and the audience would have been happier for it. All right, then let's cut him out of this conversation. <laughs> Okay, so Gina Krishan has a pretty big crush on Elizabeth Berkeley's character and continually, like, makes advances. But her boyfriend, Zach, who is the, I guess, entertainment director for the show. Kyle McLaughlin. Right. He also is sexually attracted to her. And so Gina Krishan decides to buy Elizabeth Berkeley backstage, uh, buy, like, a lap dance at Cheetah's strip, the, club. The strip club that she works at. She goes backstage, and I don't know how to explain what this lap, was it a lap dance? What yeah, this lap dance defies all laws of logic, physics. It looks like they were using the Unreal Engine to like to like get her oh. dancing. <laughs> <laughs> like, so the, the way she's falling around, it like defies gravity. Like the best way I can describe it is like imagine like a like a marionette. Like she's tied on strings, and the puppeteer is like drunk, and he's just wildly <laughs> flicking his wrists, and then the puppet just flapping around in the breeze. That's what her, stri- her strip tees look like. So Gina Grishan was really happy. She, she was aroused. To- Everyone was aroused. Presumably the audience was aroused. Maybe everybody was like bent over and laughed at the theater. <laughs> I don't know because this scene was pretty comical, but it was foreshadowing for things to come. Elizabeth Berkeley gets an audition to be in the chorus line in the show called Goddess Live. And the whole sequence where she's auditioning with a bunch of people, I actually liked this sequence a lot. It was pretty funny because the guy who's in charge of it, he's this real jerk and he just goes up and like tells him, you're too fat, you look too stupid, get out of here, go home. I caught a cheap thrill off of that. You're such a dick, Joel. Misogynist. He whittles down the field to just three girls, Elizabeth Berkeley being one of the last ones. He forces them all to get naked, sees their breasts, and he looks at Elizabeth Berkeley and says, why aren't your nipples hard? And she's like, what? And he says the famous line, I'm erect. Why aren't you? That's a valid that's, question. That's a legitimate question. Valid question. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he goes like, here, you need some ice. And they, they gave her like an ice cube to put on her breast to make her nipples harder. I never thought I'd be seeing this. this no, movie. it was uh, it was weird. I mean, I think there's other ways to get your nipples hard than like, why are they carrying ice cubes around? <laughs> Is that like a prop for them? Is that a real thing? Do you think they really do that on the chorus line? Maybe. Maybe they do. I don't know. I've never been. If you have any showgirls listening yeah. to this. Are there any, if there's any showgirls out there, don't hesitate to call in or shoot us an email. <laughs> yeah. We want to know. So, so we have the typical thing where she storms off in a huff. All this crap happens, but fast forward later and she gets the part eventually, of course, right? We get these great scenes of her uh, being taught how to dance with a choreographer. She's laying on the ground and like doing these pelvic thrusts. And he the keeps screaming, thrusted, 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 thrusted. This is a, one of the highlights of the movie, that that whole thrust. What, him screaming thrusted? Him screaming yeah. And, and okay, we get this great scene where Elizabeth Berkeley gets her first dance session in front of a live audience. And while she's dancing, her friend is in backstage watching her. And apparently Elizabeth Berkeley's making mistakes. And the whole time she's like, oh no, yes, yeah. Like she's giving her like a live critique while she's dancing. I saw no difference between the mistakes and 
<laughs> to the layman, it was indiscernible. <laughs> Incomprehensible. It looks exactly the same. This? She was making mistakes? I couldn't even tell. Okay, so we're given a glimpse into the interesting dressing room area of a showgirl. Oh, I love it. To me, this is like the equivalent of in every movie where there's cops and they go into the police station, there's always this hustle and bustle. There's a million things going on. There's criminals being arrested and like all, everything's going wrong haywire in the background. This is like the exact same thing, right? As the camera was panning through, all the showgirls are doing all this crazy stuff. Monkeys are running around and... Yeah, the monkeys got loose. And this happens a few times in the movie, in the movie where they actually show this backstage area. And in one of the scenes in particular, I was pretty put off. A woman brings her two children and they, it looks like she woke them up and got them out of bed. Yeah, like one kid's got the giant teddy bear. I thought this was pretty funny because they make it look like these kids are extremely wholesome. Like they're Norman Rockwell painting kind of kids. It looks like they should be dipping chocolate chip cookies into a glass of milk before they go to bed. Yes, they're, they're extremely clean cut, these 1950s looking kids. And they're juxtaposed with all these showgirls cursing and being naked in front of them and stuff. But anyway, uh, Gina Gershon decides to take Elizabeth Berkeley under her wing and show her the robes of the showgirls lifestyle. And they have this amazing discussion with each other. And if we may, a dramatic reading. You're first. You're Nomi Milan. I'm first, unless it's on the previous page. No, you're first. Crystal Connors, you have great tits. Oh. <laughs> okay. You have great tits. They're really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I like nice tits. I always have. How about you? I like having nice tits. How do you like having them? What do you mean? You know what I mean. I like having them in a nice dress or a tight top. Mm-hmm. You like to show them off. <laughs> I didn't like showing them off at the cheetah. Why not? I like looking at them there. We all like looking at them there. It made me feel like a hooker. You are a whore, darling. No, I'm not. We all are. We take the cash. We cash the check. We show them what they want to see. Maybe you. <laughs> are a whore, Crystal, but I'm not. You and me, we're exactly alike. I'll never be like you. <laughs> and seed. Okay, so next, we're going to fast forward to the next showgirls number that they're performing. And essentially what it is, is uh, <laughs> the women are being picked up and spun around by their male counterparts in the show. And there's some sabotage going on. Yeah, some skullduggery. Apparently some uh, spherical-shaped jewels are thrown on the ground. I thought they were marble. Yeah. It was a little marble madness. Yeah. Well, <laughs> whatever whatever they were, they were designed to trip the male counterpart and hurl the woman onto the ground. And I, I guess like a six foot or five foot fall. So yeah. So everybody at home, as we always say on this show, close your real eyes, open your mind's eye and picture this. Picture a grown man, like a really strong dancer type guy. And he's holding a woman with one arm suspended in the air. And he's got this woman and she's kind of horizontal and parallel out of the floor and they're twirling around. Yeah, the woman's on top essentially planking and they're spinning around. She has this look on her face of sheer unadulterated joy. She's like, <laughs> She looks like she was just granted the ability to fly. She's so happy. <laughs> and, and then in slow motion, it shows him comically like tripping on marbles <laughs> like you expect to hear like whoop, 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 whoop. And then he kind of like tosses her <laughs> and her fate, they, they slow it down to super slow-mo and her face is, Whoa! <laughs> 
she essentially falls face first. Okay, the best part about this sequence is that when the guy drops her, this woman is clearly falling chest down. Like she's kind of belly flopping onto the ground, right? It's very plain to see that she is like diving onto the ground. But when the camera cuts to the next shot, she flipped. She like flipped in midair in between the cuts and she's landed on her ass. How did that happen? Not only that, but wouldn't she get less injured? Like it was almost as like after she falls and please, it's very comical. If you get a chance to see it, it's very funny. But after she falls, they don't show the rest of the show. It just like assumes that they kept going with the show. Oh, yeah, she's like, she's like, oh my leg. <laughs> and she just <laughs> curled into a ball and they did the rest of the hour long performance. <laughs> and, just, and just like left her there. In the fetal position. <laughs> and then it cuts to EMT workers coming up and she's like, oh my leg. Oh. <laughs> They're like, don't worry, you're going to be okay. And all the dancers are like, oh my God. And you get the sense that she's dying. By the way, at this point, I'm still kind of curious at the, what the hell the plot of this movie is. Does it have a plot? Like what, what is going on? The plot that I read in the beginning of this podcast and what we saw are not congruent at all. They're not this, it, we, we didn't see the same movie. There is no, like, th- there isn't much of a structure to this movie. It, it's just things just happen one after the other, right? Anyway, so we fast forward to later in the movie where... Kyle MacLachlan and Elizabeth Berkley, they formed a bond. What kind of bond, Joel? Romantic. Romantic connection. <laughs> yeah, they had a love match and they fell in love or something and they have what is probably the most famous scene in this movie. If you've never seen this movie before, I would say that it's worth to see this movie just to see this following sequence. Would you agree? I would say jump on YouTube and just check the sequence out. It is something. It's really something else. So Elizabeth Berkley and Kyle MacLachlan, they start having sex in the pool, right? I'm assuming this is where the, the NC 17 came from. They're making out in the pool. You know, so far so good. I've seen this before in movies. You know, it's nothing too crazy. And then they kind of lean up against the side of the pool. And then what do they do? Elizabeth Berkeley starts doing something very similar to what she was doing in the strip club, except this is full penetration. And she has some type of seizure. <laughs> and at the end of like... There was flashing lights in the distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was almost like, yeah, she was watching Pokemon and she had a seizure. No, it was almost as if she, uh, as she reached climax, she had a seizure and starts flailing in the water like she's like she's dying. For those of you not in the room with us, we both have our arms outstretched and we're wiggling them back and forth. <laughs> in in movies or television shows, when somebody is having a heart attack and they take out defibrillators and they shock them, it was like that but continuous. Like she's the person the was just like getting shocked back and forth for like a minute. And, the, and she's having they're having sex in the pool and they're generating all these waves, like these tsunami waves. Oh my god! Waves. Yeah, yeah. It, it was almost like it, it was it was like. You were in like a wave pool. <laughs> <laughs> and she's completely like horizontal, straddling this guy, just flopping around. <laughs> Like a corpse. It was like if you took a trout and f- just chucked it on a pe- like on, <laughs> on a sidewalk, it would just be like <laughs> flopping all over the place. Amazing sex scene. You know, before I saw this movie, yeah, I thought I knew. You. Yeah, I, I thought I knew how to have sex. Joel, I remember me and you were watching this, and we were like, this, "So this is how I've been doing it wrong the whole time." And we, we started taking notes. <laughs> All right, so it's around this point, Elizabeth Berkley, fame and success have gotten to her head. She craves success. She wants to be the number one showgirl. So she takes matters into her own hands when... Literally. When Gina Gershon and her are walking down the stairs backstage in a fit of delirious madness. She pushes... In delirious avarice. <laughs> 
she pushes Gina Gershaw down a flight of stairs, and I guess her knees explode or something when she falls. Apparently, these dancers' bones are made out of glass. They're they're like birds. That's why they're so graceful. <laughs> Mr. Glass. That's my showgirl name. Mr. Glass. <laughs> So she pushes Gina Grishon down the stairs and, well, she's her understudy. So she gets the lead role. What's funny about this is that you think something like that would have happened halfway through the movie or maybe like a quarter of the way in. Not at the end of the movie, right? Don't you think that is like the the conflict that would drive this story forward? Yeah. Yet it happens at the end like a throwaway. And speaking of throwaways, <laughs> there's a scene right after this where Gina Grishon, where, uh, where Elizabeth Berkley and her friend the seamstress, they go to this exclusive party poolside where there's a hot rock star yeah they meet this rock star who the whole movie her seamstress friend kept talking about how hot she thought he was and that he was like her dream whatever and they finally meet in person and the rock star like seduces her I guess takes her up to his bedroom and he's got his two bodyguards with her and and why don't you describe what happens here they shut the door they slap her in the face she she looks befuddled really surprised and then he just decks her and then her bodyguards proceeds to rape her they all rape her. This was like completely uncalled for, unprecedented. It was kind of shocking. Like, why is this happening? Where is this coming from? It didn't make any sense to me. It didn't fit in the movie. It, it, was, it was like like that, like a drop of a dime. They went from talking to rape. Are we watching Sucker Punch? Yeah, I, I, I didn't get it. So that scene occurred. Her friend walks out, is bloodied, bruised, and like half dead, and just collapses in like this fancy party. People are drinking champagne. Yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. After her friend gets raped and is put in the hospital. And by the way, she's put in the hospital and she looks like she's on the verge of death. Like they really did a number on her. Like she's going to die. But they explain what's wrong with her and they're like, she's got some bad bruises and vaginal tears. Elizabeth Berkeley goes to call the cops and then Kyle McLaughlin stops her. Yeah. Now here's the question. Aren't they supposed to automatically call the cops the moment the doctor saw that there was vaginal tearing? Like, oh, this, this, this she was raped. I got to call the cops, right? That- like, like if somebody walks in with a gunshot wound, they call the cops immediately. Yeah, of course. But not in this instance. Yeah, it didn't make sense. I don't know. Maybe in Las Vegas, there's different rules. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. But Elizabeth Berkeley sees that there is a dark side to being a showgirl. She then has to seek vengeance. So she was already solicited by this rock star. So it wasn't hard for her to make her way up to his room. And the bodyguards let her in immediately. She's dressed up and starts giving a lap dance to said rock star. And he's loving it. He's like, yeah, baby. But then she pulls out her world famous switchblade and says, if you make a noise, I'll kill you. And then something bizarre happens. <laughs> this entire time, I thought that she was a dancer, but it turned out that she was trained by, like, Bruce Lee or She's something. Kung Fu master. She, she does, like, crescent kicks, <laughs> step behind side kicks. She's doing, like, roundhouses. Yeah, she did a moonsault. She just started kicking. <laughs> yeah, she's... <laughs> The way they edit it, oh, 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 he's close to her face. It looks, yeah, yeah. And then and then she just starts, like, stomping his face. <laughs> and I don't know if she killed him or not. I would assume he died. <laughs> she was, like, stomping on his head. And then she just walks out of the out of the suite, and the bodyguards are like, okay, see you later. <laughs> All right, so the whole time we've been watching this movie, I kind of got this, so we got this kind of flash dance vibe, and I also got a Boogie Nights kind of vibe where this, like, uh, simple rube character comes into this kind of seedy world, and everybody wants a piece of them. And now we're in Kill Bill? How yeah. did this happen? I don't know. She then goes back for the last time and visits her friend that was raped and says, I've gotten vengeance for you. <laughs> been avenged okay bye <laughs> yeah, that's it and yeah and then she 
hitchhikes back out of Las Vegas towards L.A., I guess. According to the fun facts, they were strongly hinting at Showgirls 2 would be Elizabeth Berkley takes L.A. That's how they had the L.A. sign there. Yeah, she works for Vivid. Oh, yeah, and at the end of the movie, the guy that robbed her stuff in the beginning comes back at the end. And it all comes full circle. Circle of life. Amazing. And that is Showgirls. The end. Okay, Martin, let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Think of Flashdance with an unappealing leading lady playing a woman whose fierce ambition is to do something not admirable, just ridiculous. Mick LaSalle, San Francisco Chronicle. To take showgirls that seriously as either trash art or appalling pornography wouldn't be worth the exertion. Deson Thomas, Washington Post. And finally, a waste of a perfectly good NC-17 rating. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. What does Ebert want? It's like, this wasn't NC-17 enough for me. What a waste. Okay, Martin, this movie currently holds a 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Yes. Yes, this movie is that bad. <laughs> this movie has bad acting. This movie has a bad story. This movie has bad... Jeez, it does, does it have a plot? I don't even understand what I saw. It, it, this movie was confusing at best, offensive at worst, and overall towards the end, you're wishing it was over. Hold up, pause. So bad it's good? Yes. This movie was really, really bad. Like, if you and your friends are coming back from the bar at like 2.30 in the morning, you're really tired or you're just on late at night, I don't know, grab a pizza, sit down and throw this movie on. It's If you're in a group of people, it's funny. Yeah, I think it's so bad it's good. I mean, it's not as good as Catwoman. No, that no. was that, that Catwoman was is way better. It's way funnier than this. But uh, yeah, is it really that bad? 12%? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, what was your score? What was your rating? This movie gets a solid one out of five. <laughs> I'm going to give it a two out of five just for that sex scene. That's, that's <laughs> worth a star for me. Yeah, this is a two out of five, but is it really that bad? Yeah, it is. This is, I totally understand why this is a cult classic, why this is a guilty pleasure. I feel as if the entire script is like a memorable quote. Like everything that comes out of somebody's mouth is something so stupid and quotable. Yeah, this deserves its cult classic status. Kitschy? Campy. Okay. Okay, Mar, we got a voicemail about this movie. I'll play that for you right now. To listen to your messages, press one. Hey guys, you know me. It's Leo. Here's my thought about Showgirls. It has got to be one of the most unintentional comedies I have ever seen. Both acting, especially from Elizabeth Berkley, Gina Gershon, and Kyle McLaughlin are completely laughable. The sex scenes are really hysterical, including the one in the pool between Nomi and Zach hopping around, and the orgy scene where she gives him with crystal watch in them. It's going to be hilarious. And especially, it has this so bad it's good value that it's had for the past 16 years. You guys should give it a try. Hopefully, you will laugh out loud as you will review this soon. This is my opinion on Showgirls. You will laugh it, and that is what this movie is going to be. We're supposed to be a serious drama, but as this camp value that people really come to appreciate. So, that's my opinion about Showgirls, and... Hopefully, this is where you will like as a so bad step down. That's it, and good luck with the podcast. So long. What up, guys? This is AJ from Seattle. I just wanted to say you guys do an awesome podcast, and I work nights. Uh, I guess you would call it the um, the graveyard shift at my job. And literally, you guys' podcast gave me through the night from going insane. Um, yeah, so I just want to say awesome podcast. I've been listening 
Um, I don't know what review I started. I know I downloaded like every 25 episodes or something like that off of iTunes on my phone. So you guys rock. I have not seen Showgirls, but I will definitely see it before you guys just review on it next week. You guys are awesome. See you later. Yeah, buddy. End of message. Thanks for that voicemail. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Chris writes in and says, Hey guys, I love listening to your podcast. I have a question regarding Sucker Punch, as I will not see that movie. And frankly, I am done with Zack Snyder in general. I was curious as to whether or not he included any homosexual content in the movie. And if so, was it in a negative light? One of my big issues with Snyder is in almost all his movies, he alludes to homosexuals in a negative way. In Watchmen, there's a scene where the lesbian superhero and her partner are murdered. Granted, that was in the book, but what was not in the book was the line where Rorschach condemns homosexuality. In 300, Leonidas calls Athens a bunch of boy lovers. And finally, in Dawn of the Dead, one of the characters was a creepy, pseudo, cross-dressing old guy because all us gays wear women's clothing. Nice. It's just an off-putting trend I have noticed in pretty much every movie he's done besides that kid's movie about the owls. Though, I am leaning towards if he could have found a small, subtle way to bash the gay community or cast a terrible stereotype of us in that one, he would have done it in a heartbeat. Sorry for the long-winded rant, but I am sure once you think about it, you'll know I'm right, as I've brought this point up with friends and met with a, holy shit, you're right response. So what do you think? I don't know if it's done so overtly. I can't think of any in Sucker Punch. I can't think of any in Sucker Punch either. Um, As far as the comment about boy lovers in Athens, I, I do remember that. that. I, I remember that. And I think that that dealt more with pedophilia though. True. So I'm, I'm not sure that that was a bash on the homosexual community. On pedophiles, yeah. Weren't the Spartans gay anyway? Like they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They were told to have. They were, like, they, they were told to have sex with, yeah, each, I mean, each I mean, other to strengthen yeah. the bond, or yeah, I don't know. I, don't I, know, mean, I mean, that's I'm, some food for thought, right? It there. is. It, it it absolutely is. In Sucker Punch, though, off the top of my head, I can't think of any uh, anti-gay. Wow, man, poor See. Zack Snyder. First in Sucker Punch, we call him a misogynist. Now, now he's, he's homophobic. Being, wow, this poor guy can't catch a break. Yeah. Uh, during the last episode, I made an impassioned plea to all our international listeners just to check in and let us know where they're listening to the show from. And I got some responses here, so this is kind of interesting to hear where people are listening to the show from. Okay, Les says, I'm sitting here at my desk at work in Sydney, Australia. Brad says, hi guys, keep up the good work. I'm in Victoria, Australia. Steven says, hey guys of the podcast, I am a US government type stationed in Germany. Marcus says, hey guys, my name is Marcus, I'm 28, and I listen to your show from Rio de Janeiro. Brazil. Sweet. Robert writes in and says, hello from Scotland. Alcom writes in and says, hey guys, I'm based in Guildford, Surrey, UK. There you go. There you go. And I saved the best for last. Gita writes in and says, hello, I was listening to your latest episode and I might be a bit late, but hi, my name's Gita and I'm from Morocco. I'd like to take the opportunity to tell you how much I enjoy what you guys are doing and to thank you for that. So keep up the good work if that is indeed the correct expression. Have a nice day. That's amazing. Yeah, that is awesome. Morocco, awesome. Good surf there. Okay, now it's time for the question of the week. And the question was, who is an actor that is consistently in bad movies, yet continues to get work? Tom writes in and says, my vote for actor in bad films keeps getting work. Kevin Costner. Grant says, I would have to say Ashton Kutcher. His worst films have got to be Just Married, My Boss's Daughter, What Happens in Vegas, and The Killers. According to his Rotten Tomatoes profile, he has not appeared in a movie that has ranked higher than 49%. I just don't understand how he manages to get some film work while most of them are critical failures. Maybe he should just stick to TV. Nick Cage 
Page's agent writes in and says, Gerard Butler, 300, PS I love you, law-abiding citizen. He's not box office poison, but I never walk away from one of his movies saying, I'm glad I watched that. Shannon writes in and says, Dan Fogler, never heard of him? You probably have seen him in a lot of films as the token fat guy friend in a lot of movies. He has also been in some pretty big bombs and critically reviled films such as Mars Needs Moms, Take Me Home Tonight, Good Luck Chuck, Fanboys, Balls of Fury, School for Scoundrels. While some might consider Balls of Fury and Fanboys cult classics, I don't know anybody who has said anything great about Fogler or that he's even funny. A lot of movie critics have made an effort to point out how obnoxious all his performances have been. Anonymous says, my pick would be Kate Hudson. She got a promising start by earning an Oscar nomination for Almost Famous, but soon turns in a string of bad romantic comedies like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, You, Me, and Dupree, Fool's Gold, Bride Wars, and Something Borrowed. She needs to get out of that range and appear in another good film again. Jason writes in and says, on average, Will Ferrell has been in about 60 bad slash 40 good, but those movies made me wonder how he maintains a career. For every old school elf and anchorman, he has given us Kicking and Screaming, Land of the Lost, and Bewitched. Anonymous says, it's gotta be Eric Roberts. IMDb lists him as appearing in 216 films, of which I think 215 really suck. (laughs) Did his sister get him into the Dark Knight? Logan said, Sean Young. She made a few good films in the 80s, like Blade Runner and No Way Out, but then her bizarre antics started to come into place and appeared in such critical and commercial flops such as Kiss Before Dying, Love Cries, and Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde. Palinuk writes in and says, Lately, I'd say Kevin James. I don't get it. He was funny as a stand-up and King of Queens was funny as for a sitcom. Then he got into movies. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry wasn't absolutely awful, but then you have such cinematic disasters as Paul Blart, Mall Cop, Grown Ups, The Dilemma, and the latest in this turd ball running downhill, The Zookeeper. It's tragic. And finally, Epicality says, So far, Eddie Murphy, after making numerous 80s hits like Beverly Hills Cop and Coming to America, as well as late 90s films as The Nutty Professor and Bowfinger, he became stuck in huge disasters such as The Adventures of Pluto Nash, Norbit, Meet Dave, and Imagine That. Looks like he's been a box office poison after his Oscar-nominated role in Dreamgirls. Okay, thanks for those comments, guys. As for this week's question of the week. Okay, so the last couple movies that we've been watching have showed women as far as role models go or as far as what the director or movie are trying to insinuate are role models. It shows them in a very poor light. So our question is, is there any movie out there that has really strong female role models? Head on over to yesabad.com and leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now's the time to announce the movies for the next listener's choice poll. And the theme will be desert movies, I guess. Haunted Sands. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the choices are The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser, versus Prince of Persia, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Now, in The Mummy, we got Brendan Fraser. Enough said. And in Prince of Persia, we have all these white actors pretending to be Persian. There's like some controversy with that. So head on over to yesthatbad.com and vote in the poll for which movie you would like to see us do next, The Mummy or Prince of Persia. As for next week's movie, we'll be watching the Hayden Christensen classic, Jumper. 
can't wait. Uh, this is one of the Martin classics. He loves this movie. I love this movie. I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Should be fun. And if you've already seen Jumper, give us a call at 973-797-9324. Leave us a little mini review and we'll play it on the show. Okay? Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please hit the like button on Facebook. Hitting the like button lets other people know about this show, and it really does help spread the word. Facebook.com slash Yeah, It's That Bad. You can also follow us on Twitter at Yeah, It's Bad. And finally, you can listen to our show on your non-iPhone or Zoom devices via Stitcher, and you can get that at Stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you next time. Now, what do you think about this whole thing? Like, I'm not a whore, you're a whore. What do you think about that whole thing? Repression? Because she obviously is a whore. Oh? It's later revealed that she absolutely is a whore. Typical patriarch. <laughs> Typical patriarchal <laughs> society. Just another man. <laughs>